0: Who were the winners and losers throughout the NHL at the trade deadline? And how did it impact the balance of power in both the East and West? We take a look today in our special Locked On NHL Roundtable today on Locked On Wild. You're Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day.
0: Welcome to another episode of Locked on Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, Locked on Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Locked on Wild, we have a special Locked on NHL roundtable for you with some of the other hosts throughout the network who had some of the most aggressive teams At the NHL trade deadline, including Locked On Avalanche, Locked On Rangers, Locked On Penguins, Locked On Bruins, and Locked On Florida Panthers. So uh, a little bit of a look throughout the league as to how the NHL trade deadline went. And so uh, we will turn things over to John Chick of Locked On Rangers. To get things started
1: all right welcome back hockey fans we got a very special edition for you guys here today a trade deadline special that is going to feature several of our locked on hosts whose teams were buyers at the trade deadline on monday this is john chick with locked on new york rangers i'm joined by hunter hodes of locked on penguins ian mclaren of locked on bruins and armando velez of locked on panthers and guys i figure we might as well just go ahead and jump right into it here uh first question for all of you and we can start with hunter uh, after all the moves that were made among the Eastern Conference teams that certainly look like they're going to be in the playoffs, who would you consider to be the favorite coming out of both the Atlantic and Metro division? And who do you think will ultimately uh, make it to the Stanley Cup finals? Hunter, you're up first.
2: Well, that's a, certainly a good question. Um, you know, I think from me, Atlantic, you know, it's probably one of Florida or Tampa Bay, I, I think, at least for me. Um, You know, Florida is going to need to get Ekblad back, though, if they're going to have any shot of going on a run here. Um, We all saw what happened last year when they looked like they were humming and then he got hurt and was out for the rest of the playoffs and then Tampa beat them in six games. So if he can be back for the playoffs, I think that would be my team to beat. Um, In the East, well, from the Atlantic at least, um, metropolitan-wise, you know, I have Pittsburgh and Carolina at the top. I would probably side with Carolina a little more right now. I think the Penguins – struggled against them uh, in the three meetings this year. That's honestly the team that's really carried the play against them, even though I think that would be one heck of a seven-game series. Um, That said, out of the East at least, I still think Florida um, makes a very deep run and goes to the final. I do think they will get Ekblad back for the playoffs. Though, again, if they don't, um, I probably would take Carolina to come out of the East. I, I know Tampa Bay really went all in. Yet again, they got Hagel, um, a couple other players, but you know they're all, they've also played a lot of hockey these last few years, which is why it's so hard to go on a repeat So I, I do think um, if Lory gets that Ekblad back, they come out. But if they don't, um, I am going to side with Carolina. Um, still not sure on who wins the cup. I think at this point, you know, I kind of I kind of side a little bit with the Avalanche just because um, I think they, this is the year that. Um, they can prove that they can win in the playoffs. But until they do that, you know, who knows, I think, at this point.
1: All right. Uh, definitely some interesting thoughts there. Ian, you're up, man. What, what do you think? What do you got? I mean, from the Atlantic, uh, I've been thinking
3: about this a lot. And, and for me, it, it always comes down to who has the better goalie in the in the playoffs. And I think the Tampa Bay Lightning still, with Andre Vasilevsky back there, probably the best goalie in the world. Uh, they still have Victor Hedman. So Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos playing at a high level. Uh, they added, uh, like Hunter mentioned, Brendan Hagel, Nick Paul. Uh, for me, they're still uh, the team to beat in the Atlantic Division. Uh, I, I do worry about uh, Florida a little bit with Ekblad's uncertainty and with, uh, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky's sub-900 save percentage for his career in, in the playoffs. Um and the Maple Leafs, you know, kind of like what Hunter said about the avalanche, until they do it, kind of won't believe it <laughs> until I see it, that they're able to get it done in the playoffs. Uh, as far as the Bruins go, you know, they added Hampus Lindholm. Uh, I would have liked to have seen them add uh, more up front to really make uh, make a run. Although, having said that, you know, heading into Thursday's game against the Lightning, they're only one point back of Tampa Bay and could jump over them. Uh, but I still think... At the end of the day, it's uh, Tampa's division to lose, and the uh, the idea of kind of winning a three-peat, just uh, too tantalizing for them not to just give it their all and, and do it one more time. Out of the Atlantic, or sorry, the Metro, uh, that's a pretty tough call, but I think you got to go with Carolina. They've been the best team uh, in that division all season long. I still have uh, some questions about Frederick Anderson as a, as a Bruins observer, you know, I've seen him kind of fall apart in the playoffs in the past, Um, but they have as deep a team up front and on the back end as anybody in the NHL. And I, I really do think uh, they'll be able to take it to the next level um, this year. And then, you know, for the cup, I could see Carolina uh, and Colorado, in the final uh tampa colorado i think is what is gonna happen I, th- I think the abs are just too good out in the west and and i do think it's it's colorado's year especially after uh some of the moves that they made prior to the trade deadline
1: and uh we'll go ahead and get our thoughts from armando velez of lockdown panthers as well armando you're up man who, who you got who's winning these two divisions
4: um Ian made uh, some great points in regard to goaltending. Andre Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world. And that's the reason why the Florida Panthers went after someone like Claude Giroux, because they wanted to shore up that scoring. And I talk about all the time about how in hockey, it's very similar to baseball, that the best way to win in baseball is your pitching. The best, the most valuable way to win in hockey is your goaltending. And that's where Ian is absolutely correct when it comes to that but I I also think that with how the Florida Panthers scores I mean games slow down in the playoffs that's a reality but uh I'm very I'm I'm very confident that the Florida Panthers really can uh find a way uh to really score um in deep, in deep deep into games whenever they can um the the third period is their highest goal differential in in any period uh this season so out of the teams that go out in the Atlantic, the, the battle of Florida is likely to happen again in the second round. Um, we can see this go seven, but even though uh, Tampa Bay lost a third line, they recouped it. <laughs> um, they, they got another uh, third line, just like that. Um, I do think that the Florida Panthers do eventually break through um, and get to the Eastern conference final. Um, the, the, Metro is a little confusing for me um, because you have Igor Shesterkin who's carrying that New York Rangers team. Uh, they got a little bit of a forward uh, help um, in their middle six slash bottom six, uh, including Frank Vatrano from the Florida Panthers uh, as one of them. And the the power play. If if the New York Rangers aren't um, getting power plays, are they going to be able to uh, to make their make their way to the Eastern Conference final? And that's the that's the really. Uh, i question as far as the metro of uh, freddie anderson as well um the um, ian also talked about freddie anderson so what's he gonna look like there and of course um uh, uh pittsburgh you can never count out um sydney crosby and gino malkin there they uh, traded for raquel from the anaheim ducks um to get some help there as well and i know chris letang is going to be a free agent uh this uh off seasons but he I just saw that he had a power play goal last night so uh he's he still definitely got it. you can never count out the Pittsburgh Penguins but I think uh I think uh when push comes to shove I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are actually going to come out of the metro uh, over Carolina because of the experience you 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 can never count out um Sidney Crosby um as far as the cup I still think uh, it's the Colorado Avalanche I mean even with two games in hand that the Florida Panthers have uh on Colorado even if they were to win those two, they would still be behind in points, uh, behind the avalanche for the, uh, abs to get the president's trophy. But of course, no, no team has won the Stanley cup winning the president's trophy since 2013. So, but I think that the Colorado avalanche, they added to their bottom six, um, as well, even though their trade for Claude Drew didn't go through, they, their offer was bigger to Philadelphia than, um, Florida had, but they used some of those, uh, those, uh, I would assume assets that they would have traded for Drew to fill up their bottom six. So I still think that, um, that Colorado is, uh, this is their year to win it,
1: yeah. And I don't weigh in as far as these division winners are concerned for the Metro yeah. Carolina Hurricanes. You know, obviously, I'm a Ranger fan, but you know, it, it's a very unique situation in the Eastern Conference because, unlike a lot of years, we've pretty much known for quite some time. I mean, there's no guarantees, but it's certainly. Looks like, uh, you know, the eight playoff teams that were looking like they were going to remain in those positions are indeed going to remain in those positions. So it's unique in and of uh, that reason itself. But, you know, for the Metro, I'm going to go with the uh, Hurricane just because I think this team is absolutely loaded from top to bottom. Uh, it's a team that's kind of been knocking on the door the past couple of seasons. And uh, on top of, you know, all the great players that they returned this year, they've now got Freddie Anderson standing on his head and uh, having a vesna worthy season next out. They're obviously not the highest scoring team that's going to be in the playoffs. I believe they're about 11th or so in in goals per game. But uh, we know how the playoffs can be. You know, there's a lot of grinded out, you know, blue collar type games. And I think that suits the Canes style just perfectly. They lead the NHL in uh, goals allowed. Uh, They have the best. uh, They they lead that stat, you know, in the entire NHL. And again, you know, Freddie Anderson is just killing it for them. But very, very conflicted if the Canes, you know, go on to win the Stanley Cup. Because right now it feels like they have about... 25 different former New York Rangers on the team. So that'd be a very bittersweet moment for me. Uh, but again, I, I think the Canes, you know, they're, they're looking really good. And uh, as a Ranger fan, I've been emphasizing the importance of staying out of fourth place because I want no part of that team in the first round. You know, we know the four teams that are going to make it, but I'd much rather the Rangers play the Penguins or the uh, Capitals in the first round rather than the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. And as far as the Atlantic, I'm going to go with the Panthers. You know, I, it's uh, Ian, I think you made some great points about the Tampa Bay Lightning. And certainly, uh, you know, they're a threat to uh, get a, a three-peat. But I just think that, um, you know, that, that'd kind of be like the standard answer. So I kind of want to go against the grain a little bit. And I love the moves that the Panthers made it at the uh, trade deadline this season. You know, bring, bring in Ben Chirot, bring in, uh, you know, Claude Giroux as well. It's just kind of a case of the rich getting richer. And, uh, you know, they just got a great team. And I, it's a team that's kind of been knocking on the door the last couple of seasons as well. So I'll say for the Eastern Conference Finals, give me Hurricanes and Panthers and sorry, Armando, but I think, uh, I think the uh, Hurricanes are going to pull it out there and end up in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, but we'll continue uh, rolling. We're just getting, getting started here, scratching the surface.
0: It is time to spring into eating healthy, and Bilt Bar is here to help you along the way. And if you're looking for a little bit of a change of pace or something new from Bilt Bar, if you haven't tried their puffs, you are missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Bilt Bars, like Puffs, contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your average candy bar with 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Bilt Bars are the best treat you can give yourself and a great way to spring into eating better. And if you want to get in on the Built Bar Madness right now, head to built.com, use the promo code locked15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use the promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com.
1: We just want to thank everybody for making uh, all these great locked on shows your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And I should also mention that there were a couple of locked on hosts that were not able to join us today for this. uh, impromptu post-trade deadline edition here, but they were nice enough to send in a couple of videos. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get some thoughts from the guys from Locked On Avalanche, excuse me, on how the Avs fared at the trade deadline. Just get their general thoughts, and we're going to hear from them right now.
5: How's it going, everybody? Chris and Kyle from Locked On Avalanche. And while we couldn't be part of the trade deadline roundtable, we still wanted to put in our two cents on how the Avalanche did at the trade deadline. And I think I speak for both of us when we say that Joe Sackick pretty much hit a home run with the trade acquisitions for the Avalanche. Nothing that's like, I would say, a massive splash, but there were needs that the Avalanche needed to address. And I think that the Colorado Avalanche and Joe Sackick did that hand over fist.
0: Especially when you look at the names that Sackick went and acquired in the trade deadline and what he gave up for these pieces, it doesn't make a lot of sense until you look at how it's applied to the lineup. Like, the Avalanche aren't really a team that need to go out there and get that household name to solidify the team as a whole, with names like Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon already on this roster. You just need an additional piece to get you through the playoffs because as the defending president's trophy champion, like you know how to win the regular season. You just need to win the cup. And that's what these pieces are going to help you do.
5: Yeah, great point. And for you you get Josh Manson, who helps you on the defensive end. You get Nico Sturm who will help you for some depth forward and you get rid of Tyson jost in the process then you go get Andrew Cogliano and the big move that they made was for Arturi Lankanen that if you're going to pull one big name out of this that's the one that kind of turned some heads that the like really the avalanche is just going to add him to the mix okay fine It just (laughs) makes him that much more difficult to face and what did they give up in the end like I said you give up Tyson jost sure you give up Drew Hellison who's one of your top prospects but maybe your top prospect in Justin Barron for Lankanen but that's what you have to do when you're the avalanche at this stage in the game and at this stage in the season like Kyle said you're preparing for the postseason and then on top of that those are the only two players that they gave up and then draft picks none of which was a first round pick when first round picks were flying across the league Joe Sakic said we are not going to get rid of a first round pick and he didn't so the question you have to ask yourself, after all these moves, the Avalanche were in a good spot before all these moves. Are they better because of this moves? I think you have to unequivocally say they are, and that's a scary thing.
0: Not only is Sakic building for this year and winning the Cup this year, knowing that contracts are up in the next coming years for some star players on the team, we still hold those first-round draft picks. So he's building for the Cup this year and still maintaining
5: for years to come. That's why Sakik is the best GM in the league. And he probably still won't get nominated for best GM of the league. One of the greatest mysteries in the league for the past couple seasons. But all that will matter is if the Avalanche can win the Stanley Cup because the moves that they made last year, people liked them at the deadline. They didn't pan out. These you feel a little bit more comfortable that they will, but you still have to wait and see. And the Avalanche are in a much better spot after the deadline, than they were before it. Now they just have to go out and perform in the postseason, which has eluded them for the past couple seasons.
1: All right. So huge thanks to Chris and Kyle for sending in that video there, sharing their thoughts. Obviously, Avalanche, they're kind of in a uh, Stanley Cup or bust territory at this point, especially when you consider the uh, regular season that they're having and how far they are above uh, pretty much everybody in the Western Conference. But uh, we'll just keep this thing rolling here. And a uh, question for everybody that's on the call here, so to speak. Uh, who do you guys think was the biggest loser among the Eastern Conference playoff teams uh, on deadline day here? And once again, we'll we'll stick with the same order and we'll, we'll toss it to Hunter.
2: See, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think obviously – You know Tampa Bay had made some really good moves. They don't really care about their draft picks, um, nor should they. They're going for three in a row. Obviously, I thought Pittsburgh made a really good move by getting Ricard Raquel. I thought Boston did uh, some very smart additions, especially with Hampus Lindholm. I'm not really crazy about the long-term extension for him, but um, that's a team that I don't think Mm -hmm. a lot of people are talking about. Um, I don't think it would surprise anyone um, if they – can go on a deep run here. Um, Carolina made a good move by getting Max Domi. Um, I wasn't super crazy about what the Washington Capitals did. And, you know, maybe it's because they don't feel like this is their year. I mean, Marcus Johansson is not what he used to be. Johan Larson is good defensively, doesn't bring a lot of offense. Um, I feel like they should have went out and gotten another defenseman. Um, Michael Kempney is not really that good anymore. Um, John Carlson has kind of been fading for the last year or two. I mean, Dimitri Olav's fine, but... They just don't have, you know, a lot of good shutdown defensemen on their back end. Justin Schultz is not nearly what he used to be. Trust me, Um, I'm pretty sure I saw him really fall off during his last year here uh, in Pittsburgh. So I think if there's a loser, um, maybe it's Washington, just because you know they didn't go all in like some of the other teams did. That's not to say that I don't think the Capitals aren't a good team. They they definitely are, and they are going to be a tough out in the playoffs. But I definitely think they should have. Added a defenseman at the deadline. And, you know, maybe if they wanted to go out and get a goalie, um, uh, they could have done that um, as well. You know, I liked what Flora did with Jeru. Outside of that, I'm not really too crazy about some of their other moves, but getting Ben Sherat for that really high price is definitely weird. Um, and especially, you know, Robert Hagg, I think you're just going all in on toughness when. Um, you know, it just kind of reminds me of what the Penguins did back in 2013 when they had this almost like this super team, but then they go out and get Douglas Murray and Brendan Morrow and um, those two players didn't really help out um, at all. But again, I would probably say Washington um, definitely do as, didn't do as much as they should have, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, all right. So uh, I think that's a great choice. You know, the Caps, uh, there's a lot of teams around them that obviously got a little bit better, and uh, they a couple small moves, but nothing too crazy. But Ian, you're up, man. Uh, what's uh, Who was the biggest loser in the Eastern Conference as far as the playoff teams are concerned?
3: Uh, well, I think I do want to be uh, slightly critical of my own team just for the sake of, uh, of fairness. Uh, I do really think the Bruins missed when they didn't. Trade for either a a true second-line center or a a scoring right-hand shot. Uh, You know that's a huge hole that was uh, left when David Krejci decided to to move back home. And although Eric Hall has been playing pretty well in that position, I I don't see him as a a number two guy on a a cup-winning team or cup-contending team. I know people will say. He played that role for Vegas when they went to the final, but that was a few years ago now, and and that was just a weird (laughs) weird thing all around. Um, I would have liked to have seen them trade Jake DeBrusque uh, as well. That whole thing's been hanging over them. He kind of has one foot out the door. Extremely streaky player. Hopefully he goes on a hot streak down the stretch and when these games matter most. But I would have liked them to kind of get rid of that distraction, potential distraction and bring in uh, a scoring winger like a like a Raquel like the the Penguins were able to land but I'm gonna say the the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for not adding a goalie um, they are allowing more goals per game in 2022 than teams like the Arizona Coyotes the Buffalo Sabres Seattle Kraken they're down in the bottom 10 in that category and uh, just very head-scratching that they did not um, add at that position uh, I know they were there was some back and forth with Chicago and some uh, barbs sent between the two Kyle GMs there about those reports coming out with respect to Marc-Andre Fleury um, whether or not he wanted to go there that perhaps was a deciding factor there but uh, the market Perhaps a bit limited when it comes to goaltending. They tried to add against uh, at that position through the waiver wire, uh, uh, and they were blocked in that respect, uh, which is kind of hilarious because that always happens to the Leafs. But to not add a goalie, to go into the playoffs relying on uh, Jack Campbell, who was good to start, falling off, Peter Mrazek, has been pretty terrible lately. Um, I just think that team is uh, is doomed for another uh, first-round exit as a result of not addressing that
1: position. All right, and Armando, you're up next. Uh, once again, biggest uh, loser among Eastern Conference playoff teams at the deadline here.
4: Yeah, um, Ian stole a lot of what I wanted to say about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Hari Satari is the name that the um, that the Toronto Maple Leafs went after for a uh, goaltender, and according to Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, five teams uh, went into trying to claim Hari Satari from the, Toronto Maple Leafs, So, uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs over the last uh, few seasons have had five more players claimed off of waivers than any other team. So uh, nobody wants to help Toronto, and just like as Andrew and Mary on the Cross Check NHL show, um, nobody wants to help them out. So these uh, GMs, um, they're competitive, and some of them don't um, necessarily like each other. If uh, leaks start coming out, I know there's going to be – I'm not sure if we're going to see any trades. Uh, via Chicago or Toronto in the near future. But there's also a question about whether it was an agent, maybe Alan Walsh, um, who's also Jonathan Huberto's agent as well, and he's trying to get him paid. So Toronto is a a big loser of mine. But um, there's also a Western Conference team that I'm maybe maybe thinking that they're kind of a loser in the trade deadline, and I'm going to go kind of with the Dallas Stars. What what are they going to do with John Klinberg? As far as him being a UFA, there is a contract talk stalled as well. Are they going to be able to re-sign him? They have long-term contracts with Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan there. They have to pay Jason Robertson as well, Jake Ottinger out there as well. So the Dallas Stars on the Western Conference side of things um, are uh, my biggest loser, and as well as – the obvious one, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights uh, as as well with the whole Evgeny Dodonov uh, situation. But Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference, it's Toronto. Western Conference, it's uh, Dallas and Vegas for me.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, agree with Hunter. I-, I think the biggest losers among the Eastern Conference team, uh, definitely the Washington Capitals. Now, they did make a couple of small moves. You know, Vidic Vanacek, Marcus Johansson both brought in. But the way I see it, you know, the Capitals, they're not getting any younger. This is a veteran team. And of course, you know, they had the one Stanley Cup championship a few years ago. But, you know, for that core group of players, I got to figure, you know, they're probably running out of chances to add a second Stanley Cup. And I don't know, coming to the deadline this season, I thought uh, they might kind of push all their chips to the center of the table, really go all in, really make a a big time splashy move or two and uh, try to run down some of these teams that are ahead of them in the Metro division. And that's another thing, because when you look at the Metro, you know, the Rangers made a lot of moves. Uh, The Canes, you know, they brought in Max Domi. They didn't do a whole lot, but Domi's a good player and somebody that could definitely help them. And the Penguins made a couple of moves as well. Uh, The biggest thing they did, of course, is bring in Ricard Raquel. So, uh, you know, the Capitals, they go into the deadline, fourth place in the Metro. Certainly, they're going to make the playoffs, but they're staring up at three teams. And the divide between the Capitals and those three teams, at least on the surface, uh, got a little bit bigger. And, And, you know, again all the teams we cover, everybody that's on this call, everybody made at least one or two, you know, fairly significant moves to make themselves better going into the playoffs. The Capitals didn't. And I don't know. I mean, that's, that's going to be tough for them to overcome. I think come playoff time, because even as things stand, I, I think they might be destined for yet another, uh, first round exit. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's the Capitals that are the biggest losers of this, uh, this whole deadline here, not just in the Eastern conference, but probably in the entire NHL. Um, And as I mentioned earlier, you know, there were a couple of locked on hosts that were not able to join this call here today. But again, they were nice enough to send in some pre-recorded videos. And what we're going to do now is play a video from Seth Topol from Locked On Minnesota Wild. He sent in a video just kind of sharing his general thoughts on everything that the Wild did. So uh, let's go ahead and hear from Seth right now.
0: Ready, Seth Topol, host of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, answering the question, where the Wild stands now. In the Western Conference. So, Marc Andre Fleury, Nick Delorier, and Jacob Middleton in after some trade deadline moves by the Wild. And I think this makes the Wild at least the third best team in the Western Conference. Wild have addressed the goalie position. They've got a goalie who can potentially steal some games for them. The uh, combo of Talbot and Kakanen. Um, inconsistent this year, and uh, I think the best that you're going to get out of them is uh, a game in which they keep you in it, um, but don't necessarily steal one that maybe the offense doesn't perform well. Um, Flurry can do that for this wild team, so I think over the course of the series, I think he can take at least one game that uh, you probably should have lost. Look at what he did last year against the wilds in uh, in Vegas I I think that ability still exists with him and so uh, I think that is a huge get for the Minnesota wild also addressing the physicality that uh, has seen them get pushed around by the likes of Florida uh, and Calgary here uh, over the second half of the season I think the wild have addressed that enough to where uh, I think they can hold their own uh, against some of these teams and so Colorado's still the class of the Western Conference, but I think the wild have gotten themselves into the discussion to where they can contend with the Calgary. And so, you know, maybe not quite on the avalanche level, but uh, a team that can can compete with them, and uh, I think is in that next step below uh, with the likes of Calgary um, as some of the best teams in the Western Conference. So the big question becomes then, Uh, can the Wild steal enough games to uh, upset in a playoff series? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, We'll uh, have to wait until playoff time to see if they can answer that question. For more on the Minnesota wild, make sure you follow locked on Wild wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: All right. So a huge thanks to Seth for sending in that video, sharing his thoughts on everything that the wild did, uh, you know, heading into the trade deadline here in the home stretch. Uh, I figure we might as well, uh, go with a wild related question next. And that's going to be uh, where do the wild slot in, in the Western conference, uh, you know, pecking order after adding Mark Andre Fleury? And are they in the same level as say, you know, Colorado and Calgary, or are they somewhere below them? And uh, once again, we will go ahead and start with Hunter, uh, your thoughts on the wild adding flurry and uh, where they stand right now.
0: The NCAA tournament is in full swing. And if you like me are watching your bracket go up in flames, or if your bracket like mine, didn't even make it through the opening weekend, there are still ways that you can enjoy betting madness with the NCAA tournament. And there is no better spot to get all of the latest odds, contests, and player props than betonline.net. They are your number one source for all of your sports, betting needs, and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. It's not just basketball, though. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all of that at BetOnline, where the game starts.
1: All right, so a huge thanks to Seth for sending in that video, sharing his thoughts on everything that the Wild did, uh, you know, heading into the trade deadline here and the home stretch. Uh, I figure we might as well... uh, go with a wild related question next. And that's going to be uh, where do the wild slot in, in the Western conference, uh, you know, pecking order after adding Mark Andre Fleury? And are they in the same level as say, you know, Colorado and Calgary, or are they somewhere below them? And uh, once again, we will go ahead and start with Hunter, uh, your thoughts on the wild adding flurry and uh, where they stand right now.
2: Yeah, I definitely think Minnesota's, you know, in the tier below, I think Calgary, um, and Colorado, um, I think some people do sleep on the Flames this year. I know the Avalanche are obviously the big talking point for the West, but Calgary is right up there um, as well. I think they're going to bully someone um, in the first round. But Minnesota, I think they can play with those two teams. Remember, you know, last year um, they played with Vegas um, pretty well in that in that series, and you know, I know they ended up losing to them. I'm not mistaken. I think it was like five or six. Uh, I don't think it was a five or six. I think it was actually a seven game series, but they showed that point that they can play with some of the top teams in the West and, you know, getting Marc-Andre Fleury, that's a big acquisition for them. I personally didn't think he was going to move, but, you know, then I did realize Billy Garing is the GM in Minnesota. Him and Fleury have had a lot of history. They won a Stanley cup together in 2009 when Billy uh, G was still playing with the Penguins. And um, then obviously he was assistant general manager um, with Pittsburgh when Fleury was there. So, um, they're definitely pretty tight, and I think that's the main reason that he did end up going to Minnesota. But you know, Kaprizov is a one-man wrecking crew. He can, you know, come alive in an instant. Matt Zuccarello is having one heck of a year. Um, you know, this is a team that can definitely, um, you know, I think win a round or two. I think maybe win a round. I think at least one round right now. I'm not really sure if they're going to win two. Um, but for me, they're definitely in that tier below Colorado. Um, and Calgary I would probably rank them as um the third best team in the conference right now just looking at the Pacific Division um and the rest of the uh Central I know St. Louis has had a really good year but um if they were to if those two teams were to play in the playoffs I would probably give the small edge um to Minnesota at least in my opinion
1: all right and uh Ian uh, your thoughts on the wild picking up Marc-Andre Fleury and where they currently stand uh in the Western Conference pecking order
3: yeah I mean I think um It would have been a crime against hockey if if Marc-Andre Fleury was not in the playoffs this season. I was not a fan of him kind of toiling away with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Minnesota, a very fun team to watch. And uh, I do agree with Hunter. I think they could uh, certainly take the St. Louis Blues if they were to match up in the first round. Um, However, I still do think that uh, Colorado, even Calgary, those two teams are the class of the Western conference and uh, it would take, you know, a a pretty vintage or all world performance from uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in order to take down one of those two teams, especially the avalanche. That's who Minnesota would most likely have to get through in order to advance to the Western conference finals. And again, like, like we've been saying, I think Colorado's just too good and too strong to uh be thwarted by Marc Andre Fleury. Yeah, he's the reigning Vezina trophy candidate, but he's still uh, sorry, winner, but he's not uh, you know the Marc Andre Fleury of old necessarily and the uh, the avalanche attack is, is just too strong, I think, to uh to not make it through uh the the Minnesota wild. So I'd still slot them behind Colorado and Calgary, uh, but probably, you know, yeah, in that in that middle tier of Western Conference teams for sure.
1: All right, and uh, Armando, your thoughts once again on uh, Marc-Andre Fleury to the Wild and how this impacts the Wild and their chances going forward here. I
4: think they're the, now the, the third best team in the West, right behind Colorado and Calgary. If they were, happen to be in the pacific division and facing off calgary they'd have a chance to they'd, they'd have a real chance to uh advance to the western conference final but that's not the case <laughs> so they have to go through colorado and colorado um my pick to to represent the west in the stanley cup final so it's gonna it's gonna take uh mark andre Fleury being being mark andre Fleury of, of old of course of course and well he just won a vesna last year but still um the, he's got to have that vesna trophy caliber play all throughout the playoffs i know the pick that's sent to the blackhawks it's of four out of the eight wins have to belong to mark-andre Fleury and advance to the western conference final but i just think that colorado is too good they have a embarrassment of riches um i know i'm talking about from a uh panthers perspective embarrassment of riches from the eastern conference the the west uh the west of for colorado they have their embarrassment of riches out there in uh colorado um still there's still the question of darcy kemper in goal for the uh, Colorado Avalanche about hi- injury history, especially. Uh, but but with uh, the firepower that the Colorado Avalanche have, I think that um, they're going to advance past the Minnesota Wild and represent um, the center Division in the Western Conference Final um, against the Calgary Flames.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head. And I think Seth hit the nail on the head as well when he mentioned that he thinks that the Wild with the acquisition of Fleury are now... You know one of the top three teams in the western conference i'd slot them just probably below colorado and calgary Uh, but with flurry you know and and hunter you know you and me can definitely appreciate this because we've seen the rangers and the penguins have some just epic playoff series over the years you know it it feels like it's always going seven games and there's overtime games and just general madness but you know watching flurry so often in the playoffs there's a very wide range of outcomes when it comes to him he can be the best goalie in the postseason and just stand on his head and just simply not let the puck get by him by that same token, we've seen him in the playoffs. Certain years look like he's never played hockey before. Um, so it's really hard to put your finger on this and really know exactly what you're gonna get with him moving to a new situation in Minnesota. But I will say this, it seems like every time people kind of leave Flurry for dead, he proves them wrong. You know, People were thinking that he was on the downswing even when he went from Pittsburgh to Vegas. And the next thing you know, uh, he's in the Stanley Cup finals as the starting goalie for an expansion team, which is crazy in and of itself. Uh, But I think, you know, his stats aren't the best this season, but obviously he was on a pretty hopeless situation in Chicago. I think getting onto a better team will kind of reinvigorate him. And, uh, you know, like I was talking about with the Capitals, we don't know how many more chances they're going to get this. This is kind of the same thing, but it's with an individual player. We don't know how many more chances uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is going to get to go on a a Stanley Cup run. I believe he's like 36 or so now, so starting to get up there a little bit. But I think he's going to play well for this Minnesota Wild team, and I think they're absolutely a threat. I think for sure they'll at least get out of the first round. Um, I would take them in a series against the Blues, which I believe is who they'd be lined up to play if the season ended right now. And uh, if they played the Avalanche from the second round, I think that series would be a doozy. I think it's going seven games and uh, uh, buckle up for it for a series like that. And it'd be fun for us to watch, guys, because, you know, when you watch your own team in the playoffs, you're you're on pins and needles and you're yelling at the TV and all that stuff. But when you're watching, you know, two other teams that you're kind of indifferent toward, you can just kick back and watch some good hockey. But um. Yeah, you know, Fleury, he definitely tips the scales a little bit in the Western Conference. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, for the Wild come playoff time. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, to me, uh, the Wild, they're right there. They're right there with the Flames and the Avalanche. And I I think they've got a chance to end up representing the West. Um, But that kind of leads me into the next question that I wanted to ask everybody. And that is, uh, do any of these teams in the Western Conference stand a chance against the Avalanche? As we talked about, you know, the Avs, they're they're head and shoulders above everybody as far as uh, current record. But does anybody think that, um, you know, any certain teams are a threat to them? Or is there a team that might even be considered the favorite over the Avalanche? And once again, Hunter, you've got the floor.
2: I think Calgary can really give them a series. Um, Johnny Goudreau is having one hell of a season. Um, you know, I, I know he's an unrestricted free agent after this year, but he's really showing that uh, he's going to get his money. Um, that's for sure. But honestly, Calgary is really deep. You know, Lynn Holm on the top line as well. They got Tyler Toffoli from Montreal over a month ago. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is on the second line. Mikhail Backlund. Um, Blake Coleman. Callie Yarn-Kruk, Um, You know, Sean Monaghan's on the fourth line. And he's a pretty decent player. Defensively, I'm not too crazy even though, about them. Even though Hannafin is pretty decent. You know, Chris Tanev's having, you know, a nice little renaissance these last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, goaltending-wise... They have a goalie that can stand on his head whenever, and he was doing that a lot this season. That's Jacob Markstrom. Um, He's been one of the best goalies in the league. Um, And, you know, Daryl Sutter has done one heck of a job um, with this team. I know usually Daryl Sutter teams are not the most fun to watch. Um, You know, I've kind of compared it at times to, you know, Barry Trotz with the Islanders when they kind of just bore the game down. But, you know, there's a lot of stars on this Calgary team that, you know, they are a fun team to watch and You know, any team that gets them, I think, in the first round is going to have a rough time. And I do want to see, you know, Calgary and Colorado go at it in a a conference final because um, it would make for some very, and I mean very entertaining hockey, um, two very well-coached teams. I think, you know, if Daryl Sutter is not a top um, Jack Adams uh, trophy contender, then I don't know what the heck we're doing here. Um, But I definitely think if there's one team, That can really match up against Colorado and potentially beat them. um, It's the Calgary Flames.
1: All right, and uh, Ian, your thoughts on uh, any team in the Western Conference, or maybe even one or two teams that can potentially stand up to the uh, Colorado Avalanche?
3: Yeah, I I certainly agree with uh, Hunter. I think the the Flames have the best chance of matching up with the Avs. Uh, Markstrom, probably a a Vesna Trophy finalist. They're allowing, I believe, the the second fewest goals allowed uh yeah this season uh only carolina is allowing fewer goals per game than uh than the calgary flames i still think though that even though they're a bit of a mess right now and they're not even guaranteed to make the playoffs i think vegas could still um make some noise in the postseason but there's so many ifs that go along with that they uh, need to get a healthy robin They need to figure out their salary cap situation with Evgeny Dadnov being uh, not traded. Uh, But if they can figure that out and if they get uh, Mark Stone back healthy, uh, Max Pacioretty firing on all cylinders, Jack Eichel is in the mix, Um, a lot of things have to come together for that team, but they always seem to do for Vegas. And I still think they could make, uh, make some noise there in, uh, in the Pacific division. Uh, but ultimately I really do think that it's Calgary or Colorado that, that, uh, comes out of the Western conference. Having said that, we all know that it's rarely the top teams in each division that make it to the final four. There's always some surprises along the way. Um, and, uh, not that Vegas would be a surprise based on who they have, but a lot of things would have to come together for them to, to come out of the West. And I think it's it's possible that uh, that it does work out for them.
1: Yeah, a lot of people kind of counting out Vegas. But, Ian, to your point, I think, you know, if they do get in, they, they could be a threat for all those reasons that you just mentioned. Um, we'll go ahead and toss it to Armando here. Armando, uh, who's the biggest threat for the Avalanche over there in the Western Conference?
4: Before I do, that's a lot of ifs, uh, Ian, <laughs> and um, Vegas has 16 games to figure out all of those ifs. So um, when it comes to um, when it comes to all that, um, I, I, I go I go back to Calgary when it comes to former Florida Panthers goalie prospect Jacob Markstrom, who it took a little bit of time for him to uh, develop, um, spent a little bit of time in Vancouver being traded for Roberto Luongo. Uh, back in like 2014, um, so it took a, it took Jacob Markstrom a little bit of time uh, to get uh, accumulated to the NHL, and now he um, it uh, great to see that Vancouver, even though he walked, that they are in pretty good position with uh, Thatcher Demko um, in goal, but still um, goaltending is where what what it comes down to. And even though if I had to choose a second team outside of the Flames or the Wild. Maybe the L.A. Kings. You, you never know that what kind of uh, play you'll get from Jonathan Quick. They don't score a lot of goals. The L.A. Kings are not a goal-scoring team, but uh, you never know that the their goaltending could possibly win a playoff series and make a little bit of noise um, in the Pacific Division. Um, I'm still I'm not sold on Edmonton. Their goalie situation. That that that's another uh, that's another situation where we could talk about how. They kind of lost in the trade deadline uh, as far as uh, building around McDavid and Seidel. But um, maybe it's it's a big maybe with the LA Kings. But um, Calgary, they got the goaltending to match up against um, Colorado.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, Armando, I'm glad you mentioned the Kings there. They're one of those teams that I don't know that they're getting the respect that they deserve. I don't know how seriously they're being taken by... You know, a lot of um, hockey analysts and and just fans in general, but they've got an interesting mix of, you know, talented young players. But then also, you know, some veterans who have turned back the clock and a couple guys left from, you know, the most recent championship team. So I think they're going to be interesting come playoff time. They could be a little bit of a dark horse. Um, But let me just say, you know, as far as, you know, teams standing a chance against the Avs, everybody stands a chance. And that's what's great about the Stanley Cup playoffs, because. You know, I know a lot of people love March Madness and me, too. You know, I'll check out the tournament and everything. But we all know when that tournament starts, a 16 seed is not going to win the national title. And when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs, I don't think you can really point to any team and just say, oh, they have no chance or that team has no chance. I don't know how many of us would have said that the Montreal Canadiens, for example, uh, were going to make it to the Stanley Cup finals last season. Um, And I, I think something else that you guys all touched on is the goaltending situation. And you look at the Flames. To begin with, they just have a great team. But on top of that, uh, Jacob Markstrom, probably having the best season of his career, somebody that should definitely be in the mix for a Vesna. And I'm still a very firm believer. I don't know if this is cliche or whatever, but uh, a hot goalie and a good goalie can take you a long, long way in these Stanley Cup playoffs. And, I think the Flames really have an edge there. And Markstrom, if he continues to do in the playoffs what he's done the entire season, then the Flames are a serious threat. And honestly, I think I might actually take them. If it's them and the Avalanche, the last two teams left, I think I might take the Flames uh, to win that series. Now, maybe part of the reason for that is that the Flames played the Rangers twice this season and they beat them by a combined score of like 11 to 1. So I saw the Flames at their absolute best. So maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. But uh, to me, that that's a very dangerous team. And the fact that they have Jacob Markstrom uh, a goalie that you know again is going to be in the vesna mix that that makes them just even better so yeah um this listen guys this was a ton of fun uh doing this little uh roundtable discussion here breaking down all the uh the moves that happened, all the moves that didn't happen and uh you know we'll definitely have to look to do this again at some point maybe we'll get some kind of an off season episode or something like that but uh Listen, hockey fans, everybody that tuned in to watch this here today, we really appreciate it, and uh, we will see you guys next time.
0: That will do it for today's episode of Locked on Wild. And now that your first listen of the day is done, make sure to head over to Locked on NHL for all the latest news surrounding your favorite NHL teams. Locked on NHL is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to also follow Locked on Wild wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date with all things Minnesota Wild throughout the rest of the season in our push to the playoffs. Follow us on social media as well. We will keep you up to date during games and during the week as well. All of that to keep you as up to date as possible on all things Minnesota Wild. Locked On Wild has new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.